You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, have you ever wondered how I generate thousands of inbound leads per year using LinkedIn? Well, this episode is sponsored by my guide, The Ultimate Guide to Generating Inbound Leads with LinkedIn. This is the definitive guide on how to consistently generate inbound leads using LinkedIn and social selling. So if you want a copy of that guide, just send a text to 44222 with the word L-I guide, all one word, L-I guide to 44222, or you can go to my website at askdennisbrown.com forward slash guide. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Dan McGaw, not McGraw. He just corrected me. His name is Dan McGaw. He's an award-winning entrepreneur and speaker. He's also the founder and CEO of McGaw.io, which is an analytics and marketing technology consultancy. Coined as one of the original growth hackers, he's led teams at kissmetric.com, codeschool.com, utm.io, and more. He's known He knows what needs to be done to grow a business and how to manage teams to get it done quickly. Using a data-driven approach, Dan is able to build and oversee new marketing programs that can create sustainable growth. He's also the book that has a really cool title called Build Cool Shit, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. That's an awesome intro. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. You're the one who's done all the hard work. It makes it easy for me when people actually have some pedigree. That's why I vet my guests on the show very heavily to make sure that they're actually yeah. people that are in the trenches doing the work. And you've done that, right? You've done it at a variety of different companies where kind of you probably learned and developed your skills. And then now you're doing it on your own with Maga.io. And yeah. um, so talk to us a little bit about that book. How did you name it that? I mean, what brought that name? Yeah, that's actually really funny. I, it's interesting because all the names and companies that I have right now, I wish I was the one who named them, but I did not. One of my team members actually at Maga.io named the book. I was in the, when we were finishing the book up, it's actually part of a webinar where I was telling everybody, hey, why don't you do all this stuff? You need to go build cool shit. And the book was called something completely different. I don't even remember the company or the, the book name. And one of my team members was like, why don't you just call it build cool shit? And I was like, that's actually a really good idea. Like, why don't we just do that? And that's how it got its name. Because at the back end of a webinar, I just said, hey, once you have a stack like this, go build cool shit with it. Like, don't be stupid. Go have fun. Do something that's going to impress people. And that's, that's how the book got its name. So no, I love it. That's cool. So that book launched what last year in 19 or 20? Yeah. December 2019 is when we launched the book. Went out there. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Good. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about Magad.io, your analytics and marketing uh, consultancy. Yeah. So we're a marketing technology and analytics consulting firm. What that really means is companies come to us and they have one of two problems. Either they lack visibility into their customer journey and they don't know what's happening, or they have that visibility and they want to engage during that customer journey. They want to be able to actually do things to be able to engage with those customers. And we kind of solve those two problems. So with analytics, you get to see what the hell is going on. And then of course, with the marketing technology, you get to actually act and engage with those customers as they're doing whatever is in that funnel. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So that company, you started that how long ago? Yeah, we started in 2015. So this is, we're going on our sixth year. A company was started because of Christmas. So Christmas time is always a fantastic time of year because my wife originally came to me and said, hey, 
we need more money for Christmas presents. You run this other funded startup. You don't make enough money. We only eat ramen and our kids need Christmas presents. So I did some consulting and then it spun out of control. And now we have a consulting company with over 15 people in it. So it's been a wild ride. It's the easiest way to say it. Yeah. So you've seen significant growth lately, particularly as it relates to your team. Talk to us a little bit about the growth you've seen, you know, 1920 to current, whether that be team, revenue, whatever you're willing to share. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, from 2019 to 2020, right, we had, we grew the company 53% in revenue. So it was a fantastic growth for the year. We also grew the team by nearly 100%. For went from six people to 12 people. We have about three more on top of that being hired. And then we have a lot of growth still ahead of us. We've been very strategic in how we grew the firm and kind of the way that we look at growth. And this 2021 is meant to be a big breakout year. So our goal is to go from 1.5 million to 5 million in revenue by the end of the year. We're looking to hire 40 to 50 new people. So a lot of really, really fast growth. But the time is right. I mean, digitalization is here. Everybody's going to e-commerce. Everybody's going online. So nothing's holding us back. Yeah. A million and a half to 5 million is no easy feat when you're talking about a consulting business. It's not like it's a SaaS business. It's not like there's, you know, this is a people business. You're consulting, yeah. right? There's data in there, but it takes people to, to wield that hammer in order to really give your clients the experience and results they're looking for. So it's a little bit different than scaling some of the other SaaS products or businesses you've been involved in with before. Absolutely. It's way harder because you have to take into consider ramp up time is much longer. You're looking at six to nine months for a services-based business. If you're in a SaaS business, I mean, you're looking at one to three months. So definitely a lot harder. It's the reason why we need to hire in big chunks. It's actually one of the reasons why we're hiring so many people because we need to be ahead of our growth for 2022. So we did invest a bunch of money into the company this past year, which has really helped some of that growth, but we have to be ahead of the curve in regards to our customers and getting people spent up in time. Love it. All right. Well, listen, Let's dive in because today you're here to talk to us about how to leverage automation to save time and money, but also grow your top line revenue, right? To grow yeah. your revenue. So we're going to talk about automation. That's a big part of what you do at Maga.io. It's a big part of what you did in your past lives at these previous businesses and startups. So let's pull that apart a little bit, break that down for everybody, you know, so that they can walk away and maybe start to implement some of the tips that you're going to share with us today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, automation, I think, is one of the most important parts that you have in a small business, right? And a lot of companies overlook things because they get a little scared by the technology. They get scared by all the technical bits of it. But there's cool tools out there, everything from Zapier that's going to enable you to do workflow management and stuff like that. The cool products like Autopilot enable you to do email automation. But automation is going to help you save a ton of time and a ton of money because you no longer have to do it. We use automation every single day inside of our business. So I think it's really important that all businesses look at how do they automate as much as they can so they can focus on where the money is, right? Because naturally, if you're going to have a human do something, have them do what's really valuable, which is generating more revenue. You can automate almost everything else. And that's what companies need to focus on. So give us an example of how you used automation to see 53% growth in your business, you know, between 19 and 20, right? I mean, that, that yeah. would be the best testimony right there. So how did you, whether that be simple or complex or whatever it would be, get, break that down for us. Yeah. And I'll give you an easy example, right? So in our company, we use a product called Autopilot for email automation and to be able to manage a lot of stuff. We use Salesforce for our CRM. And we have a lot of things that go on between that and then also inside of Trello, which is our project management tool. As a service-based business, we do a lot of project management. And one of the problems that we had is that as we onboarded a new client, there was a lot of manual work that had to be done from a person from Salesforce into the email automation tool and then into Trello. So what we did was, is I basically told one of my assistants, I'm going to do everything in my power to automate you out of that job, right? So let's not make it so that you have to do that. So when we sell a new client, we have to close one, the opportunity. When that close one opportunity happens, we have to start a new timer system in Harvest, which is our time tracking tool. We have to create a new Harvest tracking system. We also have to build out Trello, get Trello all set up and get it spun up. 
We have to build out Slack channels. We have a whole bunch of setup that we have to do. So instead of doing that, what we decided was, is we said, hey, listen, Zapier, which is great. It's not Zapier, it's called Zapier. If you haven't seen it, Z-A-P-I-E-R, fantastic tool. Whenever we have a new opportunity created, start doing some automation. So automatically when there's a new opportunity in Salesforce, harvest time trackers are created, harvest timers are spun up. Once that opportunity goes to close one, Zapier then goes back to harvest, converts those timers into something else, creates a new Trello board, actually creates a new client inside of QuickBooks, QuickBooks invoices are sent out, and all of that stuff is completely automated. Now, this would require somebody to do anywhere between two to four hours of work before, right? So when a new opportunity was created, they had to do stuff. When a new opportunity is closed one, they had to do something. They had to do Trello, harvest, QuickBooks, all that stuff. Instead of doing all that, all we did was make it so that Zapier connected all of those dots. So as the sales rep is opening an opportunity and closing opportunity, all of those things automatically happen. As long as they did their job in Salesforce, all of the other pieces are going to flow. And this saves that account executive that we have one time for all the things they had to coordinate with an executive assistant. My executive assistant also saved anywhere between four to 10 hours a week just from not having to do those processes anymore. So really, really helpful because now my assistant can focus on other things which are going to drive revenue for the company compared to doing these redundant, monotonous tasks, which really don't need a human to do anymore. No, that's a good example. That's a very good example. The other thing with this automation piece is that, you know, I think that it makes it more predictable and more consistent because now it's not, you don't have the human error built in there, right? Oh, I forgot. I mean, how many times have you had somebody say, I forgot to send that email or I forgot to do this or I forgot to add that to the list or I forgot to whatever. If you set the automation up properly, assuming that the the tools are working operably, you're probably going to be in good shape. All right, great. So that talks a little bit about, I think everybody gets a, a pretty good sense as to the time savings. I think that's a great example. Saving time, which is obviously saving money, especially when you're in a small business environment. You know, you can't hire a new person for every single task, right? People have to multitask. And at some point, multitasking doesn't work. And that's where automation is really going to have to pick up the pick it up because you know you're you're not going to be able to be profitable if you hire people for every single, you know, activity in your business. So I think automation obviously is is important when it comes to growing a small business that is maybe budget constrained, right? Maybe they Mm -hmm. they don't have, maybe they're early startup. And they don't have a lot of customers and they're just getting through that, that early break-even process, like a lot of SaaS products or even a lot of service businesses. So now I definitely see that from the perspective of saving time and money. Let's talk a little bit about whether it be, we can either continue down that road and talk about some other examples of, you know, of how you've used it to save time and money or maybe one of your clients, or we could go into the, maybe the, the part of maybe customer acquisition. I mean, is it, what, would be, what do you think would be better? Yeah, I think there's a good mix between the two of saving time and as well as customer acquisition. And this is something we see a lot of companies kind of overlook and it's just because they don't understand how to use it. And that's lead scoring. In marketing automation tools, you have the ability to lead score. And if you're using a good marketing automation tool, you can lead score based upon a bunch of things. And in our system, we use lead scoring for engagement scoring, activation scoring, and then as well as lead scoring to see if somebody's going to be a good customer and be able to bubble up to the top. And what happens is it says somebody's visiting our website, opening our emails, engaging with our webinars, or engaging with any of the content that we have, we're able to add points to this person's record or remove points from that person's record. And this makes it really easy for our sales team to see which leads should they be talking to and which leads should they not be talking to. Because naturally, if you're collecting many leads, right, you need to be able to prioritize who you're going to really go after. And then even after they are somebody you're talking to, you want to be able to keep track of like how engaged are they. I think lead scoring is probably one of the most underutilized things in marketing and marketing automation 
because people think about it in one dimension. They only think about using it so that way, hey, when somebody visits this page, give them five points. They visit that page, give them five points. And they're just trying to bubble them up to the top, which I think is great. But there's also ways that you're able to use multiple lead scores in the same record to understand how somebody's using your services. What are they actually falling in love with? What are they not falling in love with? So that way you can, of course, focus on who's going to be the best person, but also understand like what's going to be the best thing to teach them. What's going to be the best thing to push them to? So there's definitely lead scoring. I definitely recommend people to go to our website, maga.io. We have a great blog post that talks about how you should be using lead scoring for all kinds of different purposes, whether that is churn prevention, whether that's trying to identify who's going to be a good fit, whether people are no longer engaged with your product or service. But I think lead scoring in automation is probably one of the most underutilized things that we see across brands. And we really wish people would use it more because people just look at it too one-dimensional. What's an example of a good tool? You know, because I'm assuming there's some good tools in and around that lead scoring component, right? I mean, because people are visiting your website and it somehow must be segmenting or tagging them based upon, you know, their activities and their journey and their path and how they entered the site. I mean, are you just using Google Analytics? Are you using a more robust tool? What are you doing? Yeah, great question. And we recommend a product called Autopilot. We use Autopilot for all of our marketing automation. Super, super powerful tool. We love the flexibility of it. One, it allows you to do lead scoring across multiple dimensions. So really, really helpful. You can create all kinds of different types of lead scoring. How many times did somebody view this page? And you can have an increment counter on that. But what's also great about Autopilot is it not only integrates with direct mail. So as a, a random local business, you can send out direct mail to anybody you have their address, which is super, super powerful. It has text message bots in it as well. So as an example, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I can tell you a phone number and say, hey, text this to that number, and then it will text you back and it'll ask you for your address so you could order a free copy of my book. It does so much stuff and it's super, super affordable. It's really, really cheap. Anybody can use it. Great for small businesses. Has one of the best integration libraries out there. So autopilot by far for email automation, text automation, direct mail automation, and then that lead scoring that I just talked about. All right. So we've talked a little bit about saving money. We've talked a little bit about, you know, about lead scoring and kind of tracking that journey that your prospect or customer is on. Where else can we take automation? I mean, I'm sure there's a million different directions we can go with automation. What, what do you think is compelling today and super relevant today with the changes that everybody is seeing, you know, with COVID and, you know, more consumption of digital content and just the way that marketing is shifting. You, I feel a shift over the last few years. And so how do you feel that automation kind of can enhance and fit into that beyond what we've already discussed? I think the big thing that is really switching in automation and even in digital marketing in general is that we have to be able to be across as many channels as we can, right? So not only do you have to be really in tune to what's happening on your website, you also have to be in tune to what's happening on email. But you also have to be paying able to engage these customers now on social media. You need to be able to send them SMS. You need to be able to send them direct mail. You really have to be able to engage customers in that omni-channel experience. And that's something that I would strongly recommend when bringing up autopilot as an example, right? Like text message is really, really effective for most businesses. And a lot of companies don't really leverage it to their advantage. And leveraging a tool like autopilot, you can get spun up very, very quickly and use it and start using text in your business. And text is humongous. I think so many companies are over-dependent on email and they're just constantly hitting you over the head with email. But if you really start to like sit down, take a step back and look at your channels, email is a good part of it, but direct mail should definitely be a big mix in it. It's really, really cheap, really effective. Yes, it's harder to track, but the same thing goes with SMS is you should definitely be using a lot more SMS than you're probably using today. But when you use a lot of these cool tools, like I have brought up Autopilot, 
You can also take these same exact people from that you had come on your website, add them to special audiences in Facebook, add them to audiences in Twitter or even LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever it be, Google, and you can really start to be able to influence their interactions across any single website or channel that they go through. And even as a small business, maybe a business that's doing one to $2 million a year, like I'm about to make an investment in a yoga company right now, a local yoga business, which is struggling because of COVID, we're about to invest in them because we know that we can create a massive impact in the local community around them leveraging digital channels that these yogis would not know how to do. They're yogis, right? Their job is yoga. Our job is the internet. So if we bring our digital marketing automation to what they're doing in their business, they're going to see a massive revenue impact because we can actually leverage the rest of those channels. And that's where it really comes into play. You have to be automated across all of these channels at the same time. Yeah, I love that omni-channel approach. And I think that automation is one of the only ways you can really do that effect cost effectively, right? And so you kind of hit on a sweet spot for me, which is SMS. Can you share a quick you know, text-based automation process that you've either done for yourself or a client or you think might apply to the audience so that we can get a little bit more of conceptual, beyond just the conceptual, a little bit more strategic. What might that look like? Yeah. So one thing that we've really done is we have to connect the online and the offline as much as we can. So as an example, whenever I go to conferences, I'll tell people to download or to get a free copy of my book, text MarTech to this number. And I'll put the number up on the screen and you'll see hundreds of people pull out their cell phones, immediately open up their cell phone and text that word to whatever I told them to go to. Now, leveraging Autopilot and Twilio, we're able to create a text bot. So it asks them for their email, asks them for all their information. People love it. People are blown away by the fact that we have this text bot, which is able to collect all their information. But instead of making it so that we, I think a problem that I see a lot of companies do is they collect your phone number when you sign up for something and then they start spamming you SMS. And really, when you want to use SMS effectively is you should not just be trying to spray and prey on people. Like if they gave you their phone number as a sign up for, that does not mean that they wanted to get a text message, right? That's not how that channel all should always work. One of the best ways to use SMS is that when you're in an environment where you cannot use email and you cannot just be able to get a website, have them text you a piece of information, right? Text your email to this number and we'll be able to do something for it. That changes the framing of that relationship and makes it so that channel is a communication means for you. And it's going to make it a lot better. So I always struggle with people who use SMS to spray and pray, right? Like don't just spam people, hey, here's a 10% discount because nobody cares, right? If you start the communication though as SMS, then texting you, you're gonna have a much better channel when it comes to SMS. And for anybody out here who owns a local business, has a restaurant, has anything like that, stop creating loyalty programs based upon giving me your damn email. Let me text you something and then make that my loyalty number, right? Like make it so that the text number is going to be loyalty. Make it so that my cell phone number is just such an easier path, but text isn't everything to everybody. So you just have to be, use it sparingly because it's more annoying than you think. And that's why you have to be very cautious on how you use text. Yeah. The great part about text is that they all get read, <laughs> right? Yeah. Almost every text probably gets read within less than an hour. I'd have to guess statistically, I'd say 90 plus percent are probably read in less than oh, an yeah. hour. That's the pro and the con, right? So you're taking up their time. Yeah. You're interrupting how much of it is unsubscribed? How much is unsubscribed though? That's the hard part that people forget is that on a general email, you're going to see a a two to 10%, 5% or two to 10% unsubscribe rate. If you're above a 2% unsubscribe rate, you've got big issues. On a text blast, I mean, you could see up to 30, 40% unsubscribe rates. And the reason why is because people, they, they just spray out text messages and people just ignore it. And then you get blocked. And that's where I think there's all of these unseen parts of text that people just don't pay attention to. Because if you're texting me, on my cell phone, which is on my lap, I have no way to ignore it, which means it's 10 times more annoying than an email. So you've got to be very conscious of that because as soon as I hit stop, you can never text me again. And that's a big difference compared to email. 
Yeah, I think people get very salesy, right? I think they get very yeah. pitchy. And then they, you know, beyond just, you know, here's a deal on this, or here's a coupon on this, or we're doing this, you know, so what do you think is an example of a good type of message that you might send them? Because of course you want them, you have to message them because if you don't and you know, 30 or 60 or 90 days goes by and you haven't messaged them, we know what's going to happen. They're going to be like, who the hell is this guy? Right? Because they get, they've been lambasted with so many different messages in the meantime on every single channel. So you do have to message them, but what do you think is a good example of a message that a small business user might use. Let's use the Yogi example, right? You brought it up. Yeah. Let's take that Yogi example. They're a small local business. They're struggling. You've got some, you know, some great experience in and around digital marketing and converting those clients into the real world. How Mm -hmm. might you use SMS to help that investment you're about to make? Yeah. The first thing that I would try to do is ask a question, right? And try to get a response. And if you're not leveraging an SMS system that enables you to actually accept responses and to be able to save those responses and store them to a profile, you've got to upgrade your system. I think the problem that I see a lot of times with SMS is people just say, hey, come today and we'll give you 10% off or do this and we'll, we'll do that. And they're, they're looking for the sale. Most relationships that you have on SMS, is it about the sale? No, it's about a relationship, a communication. It's a message that you're having back and forth with somebody else. So when you're now using that SMS channel to simply just blast things out and I don't have the ability to respond, I think you're making a huge mistake because SMS was not designed the same way that email was and email promotions. So in the first thing that I'm going to be doing with this yoga business is I'm going to be asking the question, have you done yoga in the last 30 days? Yes or no, right? And I'm going to keep it really simple. And I'm going to be asking a question to be able to try to see, hey, where are our subscribers at? Where are these people at? Where are they at in their engagement? And then leveraging that to do something else. Now, like I had mentioned earlier, we're leveraging autopilot. So if they text us yes back, we're able to do something in email, direct mail, something else. We're able to add them to a remarketing pool. We're able to do that with something else. But I think some people are just trying to send out spam and that's where you really get into the problem. You get people to unsubscribe, you get people who just stop. It's not really engaging. Text was not built for spam, right? It wasn't built for that. It's the same way. Has anybody on this podcast ever liked a robocall? That wasn't what the phone was made for. So if you're going to treat text like a robocall, guess what? It's not going to be effective. If you try to treat it like a two-way channel, you're going to be a lot more effective. I like that concept of enriching the data and segmenting the audience, right? Which is really what you're doing. Like you said, if they answered yes, then you could trigger an email that would have something specific that would take them down that journey of somebody that has taken yoga in the last 30 days. If it's a no, then you could trigger an entire campaign that's geared towards that. And they would be very different, right? Because the messaging mm-hmm. that you're going to send to the yes guy versus the no guy is going to be very different. Exactly. And yeah, that's, I like that's that. the whole point. Better journey management is really what you have to focus on. And people have these, when we think about automation, they're too isolated, right? Somebody has an SMS tool that's on this island. They have a direct mail tool that's on that island. Bring it all together. Try to make it so they can all work in harmony. And I know I'm pitching autopilot over and over again, and I have no relation with autopilot at all, other than I just love their product. They really allow you to bring it all into one place, segment everything, use it all to create these great customer journeys. So I highly recommend the tool for any small business or even large business. Love it. Okay. So how would a yoga studio like that start filling the funnel with those text users? You mentioned one, which is is like a loyalty program, right? But with the loyalty program, a lot of times those people had to have already come into 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 the establishment maybe and sign up for a loyalty program. How might you start leveraging it to at the top of the funnel, right? As opposed to more the bottom of the funnel. Do you have an idea there how, how texting and automation might be able to be used? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think from the top of the funnel, I mean, the biggest thing that we would try to do is try to get people more information via text, right? So 
naturally the goal is to try to get somebody to book a reservation, try to get somebody in there. But naturally, like people are just going to want more information, right? Like get your first class free, text first class to this number as an example, and we'll send you back a coupon code and things like that. I think there's a lot of ways that you have to figure out like what is our ultimate goal? And then what are the intermediary steps to get there? And naturally, first yoga class being free, you always want to be able to get people into the studio, get the experience. So I would probably try to attach something to, hey, get your first class for free, text first class to this number. And then of course, somebody would give us that information. Now that we have that cell phone number, whatever, we would text them back a code. Hey, here's your $10 free credit or $25 free credit for your first class. And then of course, we would attach that to whatever, whether they booked or not. If that class didn't book, if that number didn't get booked, we would go back to that. And we would follow up with that phone number multiple times. We'd figure out ways to get them to give us their email or anything else. And I think an, an interesting hack that I'll kind of teach people about this is, and I, I invested in an MMA gym, so we know this process kind of well. You always give away the first class, but that first class has a dollar amount to it. And the problem is, is people just say first class for free. Well, okay, great. Well, that's awesome. Well, when you come to request your first class, give them a credit for that first class and say, awesome, here's a $25 credit, which will be good for your first class. Just come in, you can use that credit on that first class or use it in our gift shop, whatever you want. And the reason why you give them that credit is because if I give you $25 and you have it in your pocket, you have to spend it. You now have something that you own that you need to get rid of. If I just tell you it's first class free, great, everybody gets a first class free. Once I give you $25 in free credit, you now have money you need to spend. It's a human nature thing that we need to get rid of that money. So always give people credit whenever you can. Don't give them $10 off give them a $10 credit. Instead of saying, hey, come your first purchase, $10 off. No, send them a $10 credit. And now that they have it, they need to spend it. There's a, a psychological trigger where they need to spend that $10 credit. Yeah, I think it changes the perception also from a perceived value, right? From yeah. something that's free to actually getting a credit for X amount of dollars. I like that. That's an interesting perspective. All right, great. Is there anything else you want to add about automation? I'm sure we could sit here and talk about hours of examples that you've done for your clients yeah. and for yourself. And, you know, unfortunately, we're pigeonholed a little bit on time as far as, you know, this podcast, but any final words as it relates to, you know, leveraging automation to save time, money, and to grow your top line revenue, and then we'll do a couple rapid fire questions and wrap it up? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that we have to remember people are human and they know that they're being automated, right? So you need to make sure that you make these as human as possible, but you also make it so that if this is automated, let it be automated, but don't over automate. There are times when you have to still be a human. The more magical you can make the automation, the more wild people are going to be. But the more spammy you make the automation, the more it's going to turn them off. So while I try to use automation in everything I do to save money, I also try to make sure that whenever we are using automation that interacts with a human, we make it as human as possible. We make it as engaging as possible. We make it as least spammy as possible because people fucking hate automation. There's no other way about it. Like I don't want to be automated. Yeah, no. I think you got to try to bring the human element to automation. And I think that's good advice because we've all read emails that were just very templatized marketing or salesy type emails. And then we've also got emails from people that were very personalized and yeah. very conversational. And your perception and the way you feel about those is very different. And I think the same thing would go for text or any automation. So I think that's good sound advice. All right. So you're a tools guy, right? You're an automation guy. We've talked about autopilot. We've talked about a variety of different tools. Other than the tools we've mentioned today, right? Because we've talked about autopilot and a couple of other tools, Zapier multiple times. What would be another tool that you would recommend, something that you've used to help you grow in your journey or you think might help the audience? Yeah. I mean, a really popular right now, especially with people who are trying to convert people on their website is a product called ConvertFlow. 
ConvertFlow is really, really awesome. Wonderful pop-up tool. Does a lot of personalization. Really, really good with your website. Integrates well with almost every marketing automation tool out there. And then I would also say a company called lob.com, L-O-B.com. That's direct mail. Really, really cool, powerful tool. Between Autopilot, ConvertFlow, and lob.com, if you can't make money, you got to start doing something else. <laughs> good advice. Thank you. And besides your book, Build Cool Shit, what would be one book that you would recommend to the audience, you know, something that uh, you think would help them in their journey? Yeah, great question. You know, I think uh, there's definitely quite a few books that I'm a big fan of. The Hard Thing About Hard Things from Ben Horowitz, I think was great for every founder, entrepreneur, CEO to read. I mean, your life as a CEO is going to suck. Just get over it, move on. Uh, it was a great book for that. And then uh, most recently, I read the book, uh, Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday which helped me remember as a founder and CEO and even just as a human being, sometimes we need to just shut up, sit down and wait. And I thought that book was great. So those would be the two books I'd recommend right now. Awesome. I'll make sure I put the links in the show notes. Let everybody know how they can connect with you, learn a little bit more, more about what you guys got going on at maga.io and we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. This has been fantastic. If anybody wants to get a free copy of my book, just go to maga.io. It's on the header of the website. And you basically just fill out your uh, address and we'll be able to ship you a free copy. Perfect. Listen, thank you so much for being here. Truly appreciate it. I'm hoping that maybe in a year or 18 months, we can follow up and see if you were able to hit that $5 million growth projection that you're looking for this year. Congrats on all your success up to this point. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.